Hello, my name is Darren Speaksma. Welcome to this campfire episode of the Every Square Centimeter podcast, a podcast where we celebrate the people, places, and practices in Christian education. I'm here with Jeremy Horlings from the Prairie Center for Christian Education. And I'm also <laughs> here with Justin Cook from Advance. Hey, Canada. Oh, Canada. Well, as you may have caught off the top, we are here together for a bit of a different type of episode today, the campfire episode. Why campfire episode, you ask? We all know that it's only a matter of time before our backyard chats turn from fashion, baseball, fishing, books, or family to talking shop. Educators just can't help it. Learning is in our DNA. Even in breaks, our conversations usually circle back to school, learning, and literature. Nothing brings this out faster than a few educators around a fire with a favorite beverage. We're also excited to be receiving questions and ideas from our listeners. Keep them coming. We'll be using these campfire episodes as a way to interact with the ideas, questions, and prompts that we hear from our listeners. Look for the Crossfire segment later in this episode. Today, the campfire is in my backyard around the propane fire, stinking COVID, and in front of my laptop. Where I want to be is on Chesterman Beach, just south of Tofino, BC, Canada. The sun is setting. The kids are playing in the surf, and we are relaxing against the log, and the fire crackles. In the Every Square Centimeter Campfire episodes, either Justin, Jeremy, or myself will bring one topic about education that lingers from one of our previous episodes, or we might surprise the group with a random educational conundrum. Though campfire chats during a break can last to the wee hours of the morning and travel great intellectual distances, our campfire chats will focus on just one burning issue. (laughs) <laughs> nice. So let's get started. All right, gentlemen. This campfire is in my home province. I get to ask the questions. I want to spend some time talking about grade levels. We heard from Shannon in Nanaimo that grade levels weren't a dominant theme for her. I was there at that time and was excited to be part of that change. I want to hear your take on the power of grade levels. Uh, Were you inspired by that story? Do you think we're crazy? Like, where are you at with this? Darren, you were there when that change happened. Give us, start us off with just a little bit of the backstory. We got to start a, a new middle school. And one of the beauties of starting something from scratch is everything is up for grabs. And that prompted a culture of every spring, we went through a season of target, tweak, and toss. What do we target and improve? What do we tweak that needs to be changed and what needs to be tossed? And someone in a meeting mentioned, like, grade level's got to go. And we had a conversation about that, and we realized they are actually holding us back from a lot of the things we wanted to do. And that's actually a simple question in a staff meeting in a culture of willingness to try just about anything. I think middle school often is a hotbed for that. Uh, We were able to systemically and systematically over a 
bunch of years, uh, make that shift. And it started with band, PE, and tech ed being based on band ability rather than um, grade level. And that's where it all started, is six blocks a week that were rotated through based on your band ability. So instead of grade six, grade seven, and grade eight band, you had beginner band, intermediate band, and advanced band. And because we needed some way of organizing the kids, because you do need some way to organize. How long did it take before it expanded beyond those specialty subjects into a lot more of the education? Um, after a year or maybe two, we went from there to saying once a semester, we will do a cross-graded unit. So we might do ancient civilizations. And for, for these three weeks, you're choosing based on the ancient civilization you're interested in, not based on, uh, on what grade you are. The trick there was a commitment to go to looping the social studies and science curriculum. And that was the big jump mm-hmm. when we had year one, year two, and year three science and social studies curriculum rather than grade six, grade seven, and grade eight. Mm-hmm. Darren, I've been in a school where we uh, looked at that from like a, like reading levels, um, you know, using different types of reading programs and then putting kids in grade level, like groups, small groups based on reading levels rather than age. Um, so I, I, I've had a little bit of a taste of that, but um, topical um, is a whole nother world. You guys were middle school. Um, does that end for you? Like, do you see it, well, uh, middle school is a perfect age or do you see it something that we should be starting from kindergarten? What do you think? Well, I wish we had uh, Shannon sitting here because it has become a school-wide ethos, not as much in the graduate learning years, which is 10 through 12 here in BC, um, but kindergarten to, to 10, some aspect of their learning is built around this, this theory and this philosophy. Um, it looks different in the different divisions, um, but I'd love to know from you guys, like as parents, you guys both have kids that are in school. How are you feeling if a school comes to you and says, this, this isn't a priority for us? This is or isn't? Well, sorry, grade levels aren't a priority. So I'm saying, oh, you know, if we're, we're doing these different things because um, grade levels are arbitrary groups. Hmm. In Nanaimo, we definitely sold it as that to parents and said, these groups are based on birth date because we need something. We're actually switching this up. This is why. This is one I, I, I have wrestled with. I have four children in school, uh, my fourth just going in grade one, every single one of them has struggled in school um, to varying degrees. Uh, a couple of them have individualized per- individual personal learning plans. And, um, and so I, I think back through like, you know, mastery learning, you know, versus sorting of grades. Cause that's a little bit of what this starts to become is like, and on one end, I, I, I really appreciate you know being in the same reading level like i was talking about reading groups or or topical but i'm not sure i'm ready to throw the whole grade level system out yet because i'm challenged by the idea of like okay so some kids might take 20 years to complete school while some kids might complete five like if i took this to an extreme you know some kids might be able to complete k to 12 in five years that's an extreme example um, and there's something about 
the idea of moving along and 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 getting a, a sense of failing along seeing weaknesses and strengths and so i i'm conflicted by it um i don't i don't love the factory model of of education maybe i just need to be um see it you know in a, in a system darren like like this but k to 12 where i can start to believe it a little bit more like or commit to it but as a parent in middle school like what you i would not be worried by what you proposed um, yeah i like that jeremy i think darren's characterizing and nanaimo perhaps is are characterizing grade groups by age as arbitrary and i think if if darren speaks mccame to me and said as a parent came to me sorry came to me as a parent and said we're going to do this here's the reason here's the purpose now i'm pretty excited that there's this creative intentionality coming from my school that doesn't just feel kind of systematized and arbitrary but i think the challenge darren is parents have a pretty uh entrenched uh, experience with school and anything that you any curveball you throw sounds risky mm-hmm. so yeah i don't if school is just this factory model treadmill and then all of a sudden random child uh who fails i'm putting my air mm-hmm. quotes up gets pulled off the treadmill to re- repeat the entire year of treadmill again i think wisely we've recognized that that is bad practice Mm -hmm. it seems to me that failing a kid for an entire year is the school's failure not the Mm -hmm. kid's failure Mm -hmm. and i like that because because what we're recognizing is that's a treadmill approach and that is bad you're disrupting the social the emotional the all that stuff i think there are some good developmental reasons to keep some uh similar aged kids together um you know, we know that kids are developmentally, you know, progressing kind of in a fluid but but somewhat consistent development. And so I think it's – I don't think grade groups or age grade groups are completely arbitrary, I guess is what I'm saying. And I think if you completely – if you sort kids by ability, which, Jer- uh, Jeremy, you're kind of hinting at – there's a risk of like really ostracizing and uh, stigmatizing kids that way too, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying ability groupings is necessarily better, especially, um, yeah, I'm just imagining the 13 or the Mm 12-year-old who's with eight-year-olds and is like, what the heck, right? Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess I'm saying intentionality is good, arbitrary is bad, but I'm not ready to completely throw out age groupings just because they're arbitrary. No, I love that. I, um, I think anytime we throw the baby out with the bathwater, we got problems. Mm-hmm. I know that's a terrible cliche, but um, I think that's, uh, that's a reality. I think I'm also not comfortable with the status quo. And I mm-hmm. think that really was the culture um, we did get to a point, and I'm not sure if they're still there, but we did get to a point where parents were actually coming in August and September interested to know what was going to change now mm. um, because it was a culture of change and they were excited about being part of a community like that, um, which was an exciting time. And our size made that ha- made it easy, right? Mm. When you have one and, a half, um, one and a half classes per grade, it's messy. 
So right. it's messy anyway. So yeah. you're off to the races there. Um, and the Nanaimo community was very, very supportive of the school. Yeah. Um, had confidence in the in the staff team. So those were all factors. Um, mm. I I do I appreciate where. Uh, we've definitely moved towards, I believe, uh, you know, Justin, you hinted that I, I think we recognize that, you know, the failing piece is not one that you know, we, I feel like we've moved past for the most part. And um, when we were at Gateway, uh, where I was admin, we talked about the idea of like your child is in grade three, but they're going to be with students that are at a grade one level of reading and a grade five level of reading. And they're mm-hmm. going to be into students that are grade one level of math and a grade... And so uh, a recognition from teachers that we're not just teaching two grade three, but we have a wide variety. And so now we have to change how we teach. Um, it does lead me to, to somewhat sympathize with educators. When I came out of school, um, I taught to the middle. I taught to grade seven. Um, and uh, if you weren't up to grade seven level, you kind of had to either pick your bootstraps up or, you know, like it, it was you know, so, and now the expectation is that you're a grade three teacher and you're going to have grade one to five and you, you got to have some adaptations going to, to ensure that you connect with kids at all levels. Um, but, but I think it's a healthier way of approaching it because before it wasn't any different. Just teachers had that. And even with failing systems, you mm-hmm. still had kids that are grade one and grade, up to grade five as a grade three teacher. It just wasn't acknowledged. Uh, so mm-hmm. the acknowledgement is there, but sometimes that now the work needs to be done. Mm. I think the success story is, um, have you guys ever heard that Peter Drucker line, that culture eats strategy for breakfast? Mm. And I think, so I'm back on my parent kind of perspective, Darren, do I trust the culture of the school? If the answer is yes, then tell me what you're going to do to create an amazing experience for my kid. And if I don't trust the culture of the school, then everything they try and do is completely suspicious mm-hmm. because the strategy is not the problem. Mm-hmm. And that was so clear with Shannon, right? That she was absolutely fundamentally committed to the middle school child, mm-hmm. each unique personal one. And I think that has to be first and foremost. And if that's true, then play with groupings all you want because you can, because the culture is, it's, you know, commit to try, it's, it's, it's playful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they also had the, uh, the kids came into their animal groups. Do you remember like mm-hmm. some kind of aquatic animal or whatever? And so every kid had a place, every kid belonged, every kid was known and every kid ends up in certain groups at certain times based on a reason. That's the secret sauce. I think that's culture and intention. And, um, if a school chooses to stay traditional, but absolutely is fundamentally committed to relationships, then that's 90% of the, that's, I'm in, I, mm-hmm. I, I want my kid in that school. Yeah. Darren, when you said the parents came in and asked, uh, what are we doing next? Or what's changing next? I, I actually assumed, I wasn't sure whether they were coming in with a neg, like, what are you, like <laughs> what's changing next? And yeah, it, it totally depended on the culture as Justin's alluding mm-hmm. to, right? Like they were, invested and believed in the culture. And so that question became one of positivity. Um, I've seen the other side where even just uh, elementary schools going to grade lists, like not giving out grades, but giving out, you know, a, uh, developing or meeting mm. expectations and, and parents, you know, just, again, 
not used to that new model and, and, and a lot of it wanting to just be able to uh, tell their grandparents that they're a straight A student or tell like there's this history that you're trying to break off, move it from sorting to great to, to learning. Um, so I love that, uh, that culture piece, Justin, that uh, you're talking mm. about there, because I think that is, that's key uh, through change. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe, could it be that flexible b- grouping based on purpose is, is the, the ideal? Mm-hmm. So I'm in a crew every morning with a cross grade group and there's intentional flexible grouping, but it's consistent and liturgical, right? I'm with mm-hmm. that multi-grade group. And because I'm in grade seven or grade 12, I'm a leader and I'm trying to, you know, the teacher's empowering me to help create the culture for the younger kids. But when it comes to math class, I'm in an ability group and that's okay because I know that I've, I've, people are loving me in spite of my struggles in math. And so this group makes sense to me. And then when it comes to socials or science or some kind of inquiry project or theme-based project, I'm in a third group and all that's healthy and safe and good. And I get it as a kid. I understand why I'm in the groups I'm in because adults are ma- revealing that to me, making it clear to me. Yeah, I love that. I think we we played with the 30-30-30 rule. So 30% ability, 30% grade level, 30% interest huh. as mm. sort of a rough, because you need some sort of framework to wrap your mind around. Um, so especially in September when parents looked at the list and it was like, my child doesn't have so-and-so in their class because classes are always a hot button. And it's like, Yes, but based on the structure, they will have plenty of opportunity to interact Mm. with that friend. Um, And we all know that for most kids, you know, two weeks in, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, But that's a big deal for parents um, Mm -hmm. in the fall. And there were always parents who didn't like our ideas. Um, But the critical mass, I think, uh, believed in what we were trying to do. Mm. Um, I think for me, it's one of the amazing things of standing in the hallway there in a transition whether it's ability groups, which I know a lot of people say shouldn't happen at all, um, or interest groups, is the kids get it. Whether it's intermediate or it's middle school, they just get up and move because they understand the system and they understand why they're doing what they're doing. Um, But I think when my attention around ability groups is they better be fluid and there better be pre-assessments and kids that show mastery quickly need to be able to make a transition. Like they're, to me, the only way ability groups work without doing damage is extreme levels of flexibility based on evidence of learning and the systems that go with that. Mm -hmm. I would also add though, Darren, kids also understand their ability, right? Like I know if I'm struggling in math Mm -hmm. and I know whether I've been struggling for many years. Mm -hmm. And if an adult actually just tells the truth with me and Mm -hmm. and invites me to be okay with that, Mm -hmm then that helps. That's a, that's a big thing. And I, the other reason I love flexibility groupings is because now I'm in relationship with multiple adults in the Mm -hmm. school, as opposed to the same only homeroom teacher every year, all year, which can be great too. I'm not saying that's bad, but there is something cool about multiple teachers being in relationship with me in the day. Quick shout out to In some ways, this is the system is so much more infinitely complicated for high schools, right? Like we're Mm -hmm. we're having an elementary school conversation at this point, aren't we? Or are we actually thinking high school here as well? Well, in the Nanaimo context, grade nine and ten 
they do um, some aspects of this in a few key subject areas. Hmm. Um, they call it core. Um, it is not as intense as middle school, but it holds some of those elements where it fits, but also buys into the fact that in BC, that's part of the graduate learning mm-hmm. years and there's certain ramifications. So they've sort of, rather than just stopping it right at the end of middle school, said, what's a high school model that works, knowing that we're not all in in the same way and that's okay mm-hmm. because school is expecting something different of kids this age. Um, so they have tried to wrestle with that, but that's a that's a tension point for them. Mm-hmm. Darren, I appreciate that 30-30-30 because I think sometimes uh, the pendulum swings so far to the other side that that's where I have a, as a parent, even say, you know, whoa, what's going on? This like just flipped my world upside down. Uh, I also think there's value in kids being around. So not only connecting with different teachers, but connecting with different levels of kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important for a student that gets, you know, math and is achieving at a high level uh, to be able to work with someone that is struggling. And and I think the culture of this classroom, focusing on a growth mindset, focusing on working together, community crew, like we're all in this together. Uh, we move forward together. I, like, I think that is important. So I, I like that versatility of the 30, 30, 30. And maybe just before we wrap up here, uh, my question is what do you do with the other 10% of the time? So you said 30, 30, 30, <laughs> my math, I just, is there it's the camp? Yeah, so, you you so always I, took camping trips. Is that what the ten percent is? Yeah, and I never taught math, so <laughs> um, it works. Um, so that's perfect. Um, Justin, Jeremy, great conversation. Though it wasn't actually around a fire today, there's definitely been an updraft of ideas and oh, inspiration today. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay, I'll get it. I get it. I'll work on that transition here before the next time we do a campfire episode. <laughs> nice. But now it's time for the Crossfire segment. Now it's the time for the Crossfire segment. One of us takes the feedback, questions from our listeners. Sitting around the fire here, we pull out the phone and put them into questions. Let's see what the first one has to say. Andy from Red Deer, Alberta, emails in. Finished my third episode in as many days today. Just wanted to let you know that I've found the discussions fascinating to thank you for putting the podcast together. The different ways the three teachers try to shape their roles to work for the kids they teach has been amazing to listen to. My eldest child is about a year away from starting kindergarten, so my wife and I are currently trying to figure out which of the many schooling options we choose for our kids. I'm keen to learn more about Christian education to feed into this process. My only suggestion to you based on the episode so far is to maybe condense your opening square a little so that there's more time to hear about the school you're visiting and the teacher who's hosting you. Also, as a math geek, I hope the opening square becomes a pentagon if you have two guests. Thanks again. Looking forward to the next episode dropping. Thanks, Andy. The question for me that comes from that is why did you put your kids in Christian education? Jeremy? Yeah, thanks, Andy. And I, I love that we're responding to Andy's email about condensing our banter to actually just eliminating our guests and just having a whole episode on banter. So <laughs> you're welcome, Andy, for uh, responding to your critique, critique with this. Um, so that makes this, a, that Jeremy, that makes this a triangle. Yeah, then, this is right? an opening, opening tri- triangle. Tri- closing yeah. triangle. A, 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 fight, a triangle fire? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Andy, 
one of the reasons I put my kids in Christian education is that I think that every single school, homeschool, uh, online school, um, all the different types of uh, public schools all invite kids into a story. Uh, there's no op- opportunity for a school not to. So every school has some time of story they're inviting kids into. And when I choose Christian education, I'm, I'm, I'm asking the school to invite my student, my kids into a certain peculiar story, God's story, um, and to frame their education around that story. And so uh, that's the reason. Um, I think there used to be some critique around it being a bubble, uh, but I think with the internet and especially some of the schools that uh, our kids are part of, um, they're a little bit more missional than maybe covenantal in their mm-hmm. approach. And so our students, my kids, get an opportunity to interact with all kinds of kids of different denominations, but even faith backgrounds. And so to me, it's the story that they're being invited into every day that that really matters to me. Nice. Andy, for me, I so echo the story. Um motif that Jeremy's naming. I think that's really fundamentally critical. Um, there's also historically this idea of the trying or uh, sorry, the three-legged stool that the, the, the raising of a child involves the family, the school and the church. And I, I like that. I, I echo that. And I, I really, a shout out to Lynn Swanner mm-hmm. from ACSI in the States who adds a fourth leg, which is the larger community. Mm-hmm. And I think school Christian schools in particular are getting better at integrating that fourth leg to make it not a stool, but a chair. And I think that's awesome. So those four aspects working together collaboratively around and with the child, my child was really important. Awesome. Uh, question number two comes from Dr. Fiona. And I just love the idea of a, a, a doctor sending in a question, uh, mm. listening to our exertion fart episode. So Dr. Fiona <laughs> from the greater Adelaide area in Australia emailed in so all the way from Australia. So love your podcast. I smiled and laughed all through episode three, which I came across and listened to first. Now I have to go back and listen to the others. Thank you for this great encouragement. I've shared it with our staff. Darren, I'm wondering if you could send me the blessing you read at the end. Darren, did you do that? Yes. Uh, Fiona, love to. Um, I'll DM you that information. And she says, I'd like to use this at our coming st- uh, state CEN network conference at the close, if you wouldn't mind. Also, it would be okay. I share this. Is it enough for the kingdom wording in my intro to the conference? And we say yes. And she says, thanks, guys. So uh, she also sent in some trivia around some animal groupings that I thought I'd just quickly quiz you guys on that we seems to be something we've been playing around with. So guys, uh, can you tell me what you think a group of wombats are? Any guesses? I'm going with battery. Ooh, a wombat, a wombattery. <laughs> no, it's Justin? a wombat battery. Oh, <laughs> Justin, no? Any guesses? Uh, I, I got not heard. I'm just going oh. <laughs> a, a herd of wombats. Hey, mob is one of them, but wisdom. Oh. A wisdom of wombats. Wow. So she was saying maybe that's something we should maybe think about. I think that would be definitely overselling ourselves uh, if we were <laughs> saying we were wisdom. Um, and the other one, okay, you guys got to help me out with this. How do you pronounce this? E-C-H-I-D-N-A-S. This is a perfect question after saying that we're not a wisdom. What kind is of that animal? echidna? Echidna. Okay. I, I was going to butcher that. So thank you, Darren. Points for Darren. Um, you shouldn't have saved him, Darren. 
Echidnas. <laughs> echidnas. Any guess on what an, a group of echidnas is called? Well, sticking with the alliteration, I'm going to go an echo of echidnas. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I think that would be a good animal group. Darren? I don't even know what an echidna is. Yeah, so, I, I'm just so glad that you know. Uh, so sorry, Australia. We yes. are so sorry. <laughs> Send us a picture next time with with host. Okay, well, it's a parade, which I also love. So thank you, okay. mm-hmm. Dr. Fiona. Uh, so glad to hear from Australia. Angela from Richmond, British Columbia, Canada tweets. Really looking forward to listening to all episodes. Listening to episode four now. So. At Darren Speaksma shares this amazing Donna Miller quote and crickets. I just want to pause and talk about that quote for an hour. Crying laughing face emoji. Can you share it, Darren? Google was not forthcoming. So, Darren, do you have that quote still? Yeah, I've got it here hanging on my uh, the wall of my office at home. Once you know what it takes to live a better story, you don't have a choice. Not living a better story would be like deciding to die deciding to walk around numb until you die, and it's not natural to want to die. And it comes from Donald Miller's A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, what I learned while editing my life. And for me, this quote is what bore the phrase um, as a school leader, once we know a better way, we're morally compelled to act. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean we have to change everything, but change has to be on our trajectory. And that was a line that we used often. And I celebrated when I had it used on me when staff had an idea and I kind of was like, "Eh, I don't know. And then they threw it back on me. And then I knew we were on to something as a culture. Um, Because if you know a better story, like it's like selling a piece of your soul to say, I know a better way, but I'm just going to be okay with living in this the way we're doing it now. Mm. Um, And that, that quote has been what's motivated um, a lot of the drive as I think about what story do I want to be a part of. Cool. You don't have a page number, do you? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. I, uh, All good. I will, con- I will confess to, to Angela that uh, as, as host of that section, I didn't give Darren a chance to speak to it. Partly is because it was a lot that he was like, it's a beautiful quote. There's a lot there. And, and as I responded, in Twitter, I also apparently only asked Darren questions about gardening. So uh, is there any way that that quote has anything to do with gardening, Darren? Um, I had not actually thought about it. However, if you, we could have an entire episode on the connection of Donald Miller and gardening connections, but oh, I want more the non-gardeners with us. Mm, nice. That's still a good story, Darren. Okay, guys, Donovan from Leduc, Alberta, sent us this. Hey, just listening to the podcast. It's really listenable. That's a compliment, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's listenable? It, yes, that it absolutely is. If you remember, uh, uh, Harry in episode one said that uh, I think we have the, what, face for radio and the voice for print. So, <laughs> so I think listenable is good. I'm, That's right. That's what yeah. we're going for. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. Back to Donovan. I have a potential for to- for a potential talking point for your podcast group: dress codes in Christian oh, schools yeah. and the balance of modesty versus gender equality, fellas. Oh boy. Yeah. So 
this is not like campfire conversations. Generally, this is one you got like you, you can be burnt by this. Okay? <laughs> no, especially as three fellas. Yeah. So, so I'm just going to say that uh, we enjoyed pre COVID a amazing tour through uh, England and got to see a whole bunch of church of England schools. And mm-hmm. I'm curious, Darren and Justin, how many schools have uniforms in your areas? Cause I don't mm. think any of our schools in the Prairie center do. And I, as, as a father, but also after walk going through those schools uh, and I recognize that they're not gender equal. A lot of times they have very specific gender uh, uniforms. So I think that would be a conversation, but I am much more uh, in favor of uniforms. Um, Justin, Darren, do I, any of your schools have uniforms? Well, Definitely. um, yeah, half a dozen. Yeah. So half a dozen of the schools within SCSBC for sure do have uniforms, but you were going to say, Justin, I was just going to say in the high schools, a strong majority, like maybe I'm just going to ballpark 70 to 80% in wow. the elementary schools, uh, a, a small minority, maybe 10 to 30%. Wow. Well, That's this, a lot for high school. Yeah. This is a tough one for me, um, both as a school administrator um, living in the world of middle school for the majority of my career, but also having a, a you know young adult children and having to walk that journey with a dancer in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a tough one. I yeah, I groan. I almost don't want to answer because I feel like I'm going to get into trouble no matter how I answer this one. But I do know that I think that historically we have not expected enough um, from young men in this area and put a lot of pressure on Mm -hmm. young women. And I don't actually think that that was healthy. And Mm -hmm. I think we need to find a balance. And most importantly, we need to be able to just have honest conversations with kids about this rather than being disciplinary in our approach, um, Mm -hmm. regardless of what we do with dress code. I'm a yes to Darren's comment, but I'm also pragmatically a yes to uniforms. Oh, and I love uniforms. Uh, don't get me wrong. I um, I think there's some you'd have to choose well, but I'm I'm pro uniform actually. Yeah. All right. Especially Last one. Can, especially a Canucks or Raptors uniform. Oh yeah, that's true too. I think that's uh, that's, we've got other issues there. Okay. Wow, the the Albertan went Ontario and BC team. I know. Interesting. Yeah. Sorry, huh. and I was jumping straight to the ethics of promoting. Um, professional sports at school. So uh, I apologize for that. So let's keep going. <laughs> Hashtag um, we the North. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's a All good right. Segment. Last one here. Last one here. Uh, Michelle from Melbourne, Australia emails in, Hey guys, just a shout out to say hooray for your podcast. Gail, which just happens to be uh, Jeremy's boss pointed it in my direction. I'm grateful. I'll share it with our guys down here. Love the stories. Feel sick about the phlegm brulee. <laughs> and love that you are celebrating good learning and Christian distinctives, all with a great sense of fun. In a follow-up email, she said we should get the hashtag eFart trending. Mm. So that prompts the question, what hashtag, I would go Justin first, what hashtag would you like to get trending? Nice. Thank you, Michelle. Hashtag Ontario Mountains. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> escarpment no ontario mountains i oh, said yeah. okay right i right. don't think you get to i don't think you get to edit the other person's hashtag oh, i don't think yeah, that's part tricky. of the deal here <laughs> uh, okay i'll go hashtag 
pickled cucumbers. Uh, our garden is producing <laughs> a lot of pre-pickled cucumbers this year. And yes, that means just cucumbers. But I am on the pickled cucumber bandwagon. I'm still still pulling for uh, uh, cucumbers out there that aren't getting recognized. Nice. All right. And I am going to we'll go with hashtag lawns are bad. Mm. That would be my, my hashtag here. All right. Well, I am so grateful and thankful for all of our listeners sending in either tweets and emails. Thank you so much. It has been so fun over the last few months to listen to our, our listener feedback. And we are excited to continue to create episodes. Uh, however, we want to give our teachers a little bit of some breathing time. And also, uh, we want to uh, catch up on recording. So we are going to uh, kind of re-release or re-promote the six episodes that we just released over the summer uh, coming up here into the fall as we record new ones. So you can look for new episodes coming probably beginning of December-ish, somewhere like that. But uh, until then, please continue to send in emails or tweets or promote it with your staff. I think uh, the feedback we're getting is that these are inspiring stories that I think uh, unites Canadian Christian educators and educated Christian educators around the world. Um, and so we're excited about that as well. All right. The fire's dying down. The coals are glowing. And I am both challenged and refreshed by our time together. Cheers to you too and to our listeners. May you find our fireside and the fireside of others to be a place of support, encouragement, challenge, and refreshment. And may collegiality and collaboration hold you in community as together we do the important kingdom work of educating children. Stay encouraged, educators. We want to thank Christian Schools Canada for sponsoring the podcast. Please know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CSC, the schools of our guest, or any of our three regional organizations. Thanks for listening.